Hello, Sobertown. Welcome to the Sobertown podcast. Let's jump on that sober train and ride right in the incredible, wonderful world of sobriety. I just want to mention real quick, the SobertownPodcast.com website. You can jump on there and get all kinds of sober tools to help you get sober. And then we even have Rewired, and which is a recovery system for more of a long-term recovery <clears throat> system. The last three days, we've been putting together a Sober Town Facebook page. I have Shiki here with me today. You don't do Facebook, do you, Shiki? I've got an account, but I'm not really on there, to be fair. No, I don't really do any social media, to be honest. Apart from IAS, it's the only social media I do, really. So there's really no way for me to bring all the content that we've put together in, in the website anywhere. Because if I bring it to, to IAS, they consider that spam and it's, it's, it's rude for me to bring my content onto their website. So we, we've had really no place to go. We've started Sobertown on Facebook. Uh, Elaine, who built the, webca- the website, she just became number 50, our 50th member. So we're going to name her the Shara of Sobertown, right? 5-0. <laughs> Boom. We've got the uh, Sobertown Facebook page if anybody's interested look, look us up sober town we're public chicky i love talking with you we've been talking back and forth a little bit i've been sending you stuff about the brain and you've been checking out the brain right that that clip you sent the other day you sent me that clip and literally it's only a three minute video and it within 32 seconds it just explained so much to me that i just like so many things that happened in the last 15, 16 months, is clipped into place now. Just in a 30-second clip. It's amazing. It's, a, it's amazing what a little bit of knowledge about what's going on in your brain, because that's where the mm. arena is, right? Your brain, that's mm. where the battle is between your conscious and subconscious. But this dopamine, it's measured in nanograms per deciliter is how they measure it. So I'm just going to explain to them real quick. Like an average person off this one video, Addiction Neuroscience 101, they can look it up on YouTube. 40 nanograms per deciliter is how you wake up at 40. That's your wake up, get out of bed, get a shower. On a really good day, the day you probably got married, consummate your marriage, you're at 100 nanograms per deciliter. That's the best day that you've ever had, 100 nanograms per deciliter. And they say that the food is like around 94 and what was funny about that, Shiki, they said sex was below food. Sex was only 92. <laughs> I'm like, tell that to Shiki as he's waking up with his underwear in the chandelier, right? And I thought that was pretty funny. But that's how they measure dopamine in our bodies is nanograms per deciliter. So when we're drinking and stuff, so what that does is it prematurely gets our pump going. And then after a while, the pump gets broke and it stops creating dopamine. And eventually we're waking up around 10 nanograms per deciliter in depression. We don't want to move. We can't even get out of bed. And you've kind of tied into that a little bit and about how this brain shrinks, right? I just found that fascinating. I mean, we we all know that alcohol is a depressant. It's not a secret. We all know, but it, it never stops us from drinking. But when you explain it like that and you see that video clip and you understand the reason why we're depressed, it just makes so much more sense to think that when we drink alcohol, 
and the dopamine, uh, the alcohol releases the, the dopamine, it makes you feel good, okay? And then that, you said that damages a part of the brain that can no longer reduce or release dopamine. So when you're not drinking, the next day and the day after and the day after, you're feeling depressed. But now I understand that the reason that we're depressed is because that part of the brain's been temporarily damaged and it can't naturally produce dopamine. So you're just going to be not having any pleasure at all. You're going to be down and sad. And you've actually kept a diary during your journey of how you were feeling um, from like Monday through Friday, because you were talking about it, it took you eight days in your diary, right? Yeah, right. I mean, and as well, now I've, I've sort of learned that. At the time when I've done the diary, I didn't click. I just thought, that's it, I'm down. I'm a bit depressed. I didn't understand the science behind it. But um, it is, in fact, it was Karina who told me to keep a diary because when I done that, that visit to the dark side uh, back in what, nearly eight months ago now, I've got three days of drinking I had, didn't I? So I drank for three days uh, after going seven months over. And then Karina was going to do a follow-up call with me. And she said, just keep a diary of how you're feeling for the next sort of, you know, couple of weeks. So I did just noted sort of like my, my sleep patterns, my general mood, my well-being, my happiness, etc. Uh, I kept a diary and it took me, let's say I put my, my last my, my drink down on the Sunday night. Obviously the next day I feel like shit. Um, Tuesday, no good. Sleep was bad. It took me until the Friday, it took me five days uh, to get any kind of shoots of dopamine coming out. Uh, and any kind of small shoot of happiness. And that was, I was at work with my daughter and I started having a little bit of banter. And that, that was the first time um, in five days. Now, looking back at it now, I look at that and drinkers that only drink weekends, they're probably feeling a bit down or weak, not realizing that their brains aren't producing dopamine because they've they damaged their brain. Okay? Their brains aren't producing it. So they're down or weak. Come Friday, they're probably starting to get those first little green shoots of happiness not realizing that their brain's starting to work properly again. So I had my little first shoot coming through on a Friday. Now the, the, the weekend drinkers probably see that as the Friday feeling. It's like the Friday feeling that they, they probably think they're being, they're feeling happy because it's the end of the week. The weekend's coming, it's party time, they can enjoy themselves. So it's probably how I was feeling on that Friday. They're starting to feel happy for the first time that week and they've got the Friday feeling. So rather than letting that feeling ride, they go and then drown it out with more alcohol okay the alcohol they add into their put into their bodies that's going to release more dopamine of course the chemically induced dopamine it's gonna make them feel good on friday night whilst they're drinking it's friday night it's a friday feeling bang they're, they're happy again because they're drinking and then they're back in that same cycle they're back in the same cycle for the they'll drink again saturday and probably drink again sunday and then they're back into the cycle on monday of feeling down and all week they'll be feeling down because they can't produce dopamine because the brain's been damaged and then come the Friday, they're back in that same cycle. So, I mean, I said to Karina that <laughs> in a funny manner, that kind of way, I think I'd rather be a seven-day-a-week drinker because at least that way, I'm happy seven nights a week. Whereas the weekend drinkers, they're, they're just pissed off for four days, you know? But, yes, yeah, so going, back, going back to the diary, so the Saturday, yeah, from the Friday, things just got better. I mean, gradually got better. But come the Monday, I was flying. I was buzzing. I was absolutely, my dopamine levels were shooting. It like a rainbow in my, in my brain. You know, it was going for it. Um, so that was the best I felt. It took eight days. It come from drinking on the Sunday, it took until the following Monday, means to be bang on and happy. Now, if you think about it, the weekend drinkers, 
are now back to being at their rock bottom. They're back to feeling the worst they've felt all week. They're back onto the Monday where their brain's been damaged and they stopped producing no dopamine. So whatever, they can't get any pleasure out of anything. I, I, I can remember that feeling quite well, just being down, you know. So that, um, that, was your, that was your last relapse eight months ago. And then you kept a diary what happened after that. And it, instead of drinking that weekend, you didn't. And it took you to the eighth day for mm-hmm. you to start feeling good. Exactly right. Yeah. And then it took eight days for my natural dopamine. Now, now I understand it. I just thought I was feeling good. I was thinking, I'll just think this is, this is sobriety. This is great. But now I understand that it took me eight days for my brain to naturally produce the dopamine required for me to enjoy myself. And I was just enjoying any small little thing. I'm not just talking about because my team scored a goal or because I'm having sex or because I'm eating a box of chocolates. I'm talking about any small thing that happened. I was like, whoa, I was like a little kid. You know, it was crazy. It was like, and that week I went on the Monday, I went on holiday. Uh, we drove to Cornwall. It was like a seven, eight hour drive. And just the driving, I was just, I was just enjoying. I was just enjoying every little thing, you know, the conversation, the music, the drive. It was just crazy how much I was, I've never had that feeling before, really, to a certain extent, because you, you're always on, especially on a Monday, you, you, you've drowned it out. You've, your brain's not working properly. You've damaged it for a temporary period of time. So, yeah, I mean, that week I went on holiday and I've never had such a good holiday because I was, there's no alcohol involved, not making me depressed. Okay, if I went on holiday normally, I might be happy in the evening because my brain's producing the chemically, chemically induced dopamine. That be nighttime would be fine, but again, bang, you're back on the downward spiral in the daytime. It's getting through the day and you're dealing with shit. But yeah, that, that was the diary I kept. And now I understand why I was so happy because the brain, bang, you're shooting out. Now I understand. I learned that in 32 seconds, mate, from yourself. You know, and I even have to say that your brain was probably healed more than the average person by that time because you would yeah, just was, did yeah. seven yeah. months right before yeah. that. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly. I did think of that. Yeah. So if you have someone that's um, been drinking, weekend binge drinking for all your life it, it would be longer that for sure it would take longer that 100 percent would take longer because i remember when i first quit for me to get that kind of excitement over small things that probably took let's face it, it probably took about six weeks and i'm talking about we all get it anyone's been in sobriety a long time we all get that feeling inside of us inside of our bellies over something minute you know and it's just you know you get excited like a little kid over silly little things and that took me when i first quit after you know drinking for, for years to uh, for me around about six weeks to get to that level of matching that eight day diary that I've done. So weekend drinkers that have been drinking for, for years, they probably won't get that after just eight days. They'd have to, they'd have to see for a, a few weeks, I think two, two or three weeks at least. Yeah. And get a lot more healing in their brain. And that's exactly what's, right. that's a really another cool thing. Shiki with the science that they have out there. And we, you sent that, you know, you've seen the video with the brain shrinking that that's oh, a short video, right? The brain literally shrinks because the alcohol, the addiction destroys the white cells in the brain that make connection to the gray cells in the brain. So you lose all these connections. The brain shrinks. What used to be important to you with these connections, your wife, your family, your job, your business, your finances, those can, you lose those connections and your only focus becomes on the drink, on, on your addiction, whatever it is. Here's the cool thing, Shiki. When you abstain, you start rebuilding new connections and they've shown your brain not only goes back to a, the normal size, you build more connections. And maybe it's because we have conversations like this, where you're, the brain actually gets denser than it was before. 
just so people know, abstinence, you can repair the, your brain and build new pathways. And we call them sober super highways, right? It's, it's exactly true as well, what you just said there. Um, I can remember going back to my depths of drinking, which was like in the last sort of the last year, I wasn't caring about anything else to be fair. I was losing interest in the job. I wasn't keeping on top of my finances like I should be. Um, my, my family, my wife, my children, things were, I was like, didn't really care so much. And you're right, I only really cared really at the end of the day um, when I could release the pressure and enjoy myself and feel happy with a, with a, with a drink because my dopamine levels were being released, you know, chemically. And it's so true what you just said there. I didn't really, I was like, I, I was prepared to a certain extent to let things go and like, fuck it, I walk away from all this, you know, I don't care about anything anymore, I'm a failure. I've had it, you know, even though I'm relatively quite successful, I'm just, I felt like a, I didn't care anything about anymore about anything, you know. Um, but, and, you, and again, interesting what you said there about the brain repairing itself. It, it does. I mean, my, my, I feel my, my brain's getting sharper all the time. You know, it's just getting, my memory's getting better. Um, my speech is far better than it's ever been. Um, a lot of you might not think that. Um, but <laughs> everything, everything is a lot sharper. I mean, someone said to me, I know someone that quit, um, he was about three or four years, and he said that, he said, when he got to about two years, he said his brain was like the sharpest he's ever been. You're nearly at two years now, mate. You're, you're living like Einstein soon. It's just, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's getting better all the time, mate. You know, your brain has been getting sharper. And then you're somebody that's ended up in a lot of situations where people drink around you. So you've like, uh, you've been really paying attention to, to what's going on when people drink. We can talk about some of that without mentioning names, right? Right. Let me tell you the best tip that I've taught myself. Okay. This is the best tip. And I swear by this now, I use it all the time. We've all seen the the, um, the show The Walking Dead. You seen it? Yeah, on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah? Okay, so if you're not seeing it, it's a zombie show. Uh, now I refer to um, drinking alcohol as getting bit by a zombie. Okay, so in the show, when a zombie bites you, say he bites you on the arm and you escape, that person's going to be okay for like, for two hours. They're going to be okay for two hours. After two hours, they're going to start to turn. This is in the show. They start to turn. They'll get sweaty. They'll get sort of fever and they come down. And then after say that, then into the fourth hour. They've turned completely and they're a zombie. That's it. You just like run away from them people as, as fast as you can. Now, when people are drinking in, 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 in real life, so they go to a party, when they take their first drink, the, the poison's in their veins, okay? They've then they've got two hours. You've got a two-hour period where they're going to be quite happy and everyone's going to be in a bit of a buzzy mood. Um, everyone's sort of coming up. They're getting high. They're okay for those first two hours. Then on, on the third hour, that's it. Because on, on the third hour... Like in the show, they, they start to turn. Uh, they start to change. You can, different people, you can, start their mood, you can see the mood changing in the third hour. Um, then the fourth hour, nine times out of ten, they're gone. It's not worth really talking to them, to be fair. They're now turned into, <laughs> what the heck? They're, they're a zombie. They're a zombie. Or they're just a cop. Or they're an idiot. Or they're aggressive. Or they're just, as we said earlier, the village simpleton. They're just from, <laughs> their brains are gone. Their brains are finished, you know? So... I, I noticed this, but I noticed on New Year's Eve, uh, we went to a house party, family party, small, small gathering, and when we got to the party, straight away, I started talking to um, my brother-in-law about football. I, I talked to um, my, wife, my wife's cousin about work and cars, etc. I didn't really spend no time with my wife. And then when I did get around to talking to her, sort of like after two hour, two hour period had passed, um, we couldn't really get that much connection because she was already turning. She's already turning into like the zombie, shall we say. 
And then after the fourth hour, she, 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 she was gone. There's, there's no talking to her. She was just dancing, being silly, shooting shit, talking shit, whatever. And it wasn't until the next day, I, I, I reflected on the night before and I thought, you know what, I've, I've been to a party with my wife and we've not really spent much time together. I don't feel like I've been out with my wife. Although we was in the same room, because we couldn't connect because she turned before I had a chance to talk to her, I felt like I hadn't been out with my wife for the night. So what I've done now, when we've been to parties, what I should have done, and what I will do in the future, and what I had done in, in, in since then, when we go somewhere, I'll make sure that for the first two hours, I'll spend time with her. I'm not talking about holding her hand and standing by her side all the time, but if she's talking to people, I'll go and join the conversation with them people and that little group and talk with them people while she's there. And then make the most of those two hours and spend time with her. Not Again, not sort of, you know, completely with her, like a, a shadow, but to make sure I spend a bit of time in those first two hours enjoying the evening with her. When the two hours is gone, she starts to turn, then, then great, I'll, I'll then go and talk football with someone else, I'll go and talk about someone's work or cars, you know, that's fine. But make most of that two hours. So she remembers the evening as well talking to me and I can then remember the evening as well talking to her. And then what you do in that turning point, that hour, do what you want. Like I said, I went and talked to football to guys. Then after the fourth, in the fourth hour, then just do what you want, you know. After the fourth hour, you're carrying her shoes and dumping her in the side of your car, right? It can, it can go that way. It can go that way. But in the fourth hour, really, you've just got to just, let's say the fourth hour is this for us drinkers. It's sort of just make the most of it, really. But what my point is now, whenever I go out now, is make the most of that with my friends, if I'm going to football, if I'm going any kind of family get together. I've got a party tomorrow, my niece's 18th birthday party. I always now make sure I make the most of those first two hours with people. Because um, let's face it, the first, the first two hours is okay. And that's what I crave for. When I, when, I, when I slipped up in August, eight months ago, I was on holiday. All my family, during the um, daytime drinking, they started drinking at three o'clock, beer o'clock time. I couldn't handle it because they were all drinking in that first two hour period. And there was sort of, they wasn't being annoying. They was, they wasn't being a great, they were being fun. They was being a bit tipsy, they'd been merry. They was enjoying themselves. It looked like good fun drinking in the sun. And that is what I craved for. And that is why I slipped up. That's why I relapsed. I wanted to be with them, but I'm not seeing it past the two hours. I was only craving for that moment in those initial two hours. Um, I wasn't playing the tape forward. And now I don't crave that two hours and crave for a drink. I think, right, make the most of this because that two hours is going to stop. And then I don't want to be drinking after that two hours because you don't know we're drinking. The drink's drinking you, right? Right. You're looking at your watch. Oh, shit, I got 15 minutes left of good conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned you saw a lot of women. Oh, yeah. Crying, right? Miss, Miss X. <laughs> <laughs> Miss X. But six minutes, you saw this change. Was this three hour or was this four hour? No, she was probably into her coming up to the end of her third hour. I think she might have been. She might. She might have been in the fourth hour. Maybe she was there. She turned. Put it that way. She wasn't in the first two hours. The first two she hours. Was, she was. She was zombie. She. She turned. Yeah. She's. She's either turned or on the turning point. I'll say she probably turned. And I was chatting to her, and she. She went through a period um, a couple of years ago. I'm not drinking. She didn't drink for about a year because she had babies. She had small kids. She's always drinking. And she's going, oh, you know what, Steve? Oh, I was so boring when I wasn't a drinker, wasn't I? I was so boring. Uh, I didn't have no fun, did I? And I felt that she's having a bit of a dig at me. I thought I'm a non-drinker. I was like, oh, it was so boring not drinking all this. And okay, I bit my tongue. And she's like, I'm so much fun now. I just have fun all the time. Always laughing. Now I'm having a drink. I'm having such a good time. I'm so much more fun. Really, she's really emphasizing the fact that she's fucking having fun, which I couldn't quite see it, but that was that. And then she <laughs> went on to, <laughs> but then she went on to something else. She, she mentioned something else about my kids. 
uh, and they're drinking because well, my daughter's 17 she's just experimenting with drinking now she's like I, I don't mind I let her drink she's got to find her own way in life make her own excuse make, make her own mistakes and find her limits and I'm there to advise and guide her and she knows that and we talk about alcohol as well uh, she's quite sensible she's 17 Robbie um, and she mentioned something about her and her drink. I said, well, say, say that again. And she said, I think she was more than you think, more than you think Steve. But, no, I think I know. I won't see the conversation, but we got into a bit of a disagreement. Uh, we got into a bit, of a bit of, not an argument, just a bit of a disagreement with what she was saying. I said, well, I think I know my own daughter more than, than you, Miss X. And we had a bit of a disagreement. And she got her back up. I got my back up. It wasn't an argument, but just sort of, do, do you know what I mean? So that was that. And then about two minutes later, um, she started getting emotional. Going, I love your kids, Steve. I love your kids. I love your I love your kids as much as my own kids. And she started crying, yeah, for fuck's sake, right? So let's just rewind, right? Let's go back. So this is the the, the, the most popular drug in the world, okay? This is the illusion of the drug, right? The trap it is, right? This is what it does to you. Okay, so she's talking to me, right? She's gone from being happy, two minutes later, she's argumentative, and then two minutes later, she's fucking crying. Right? Let's just say it again. Okay, this drug has made this, this happy drug. It's made someone go from happy to arguing to crying within six minutes. Mate, now I rest my case. What kind of crazy shit drug's that? What a crazy shit drug's that? Mad, isn't it? Now, with alcohol, it's the only drug really that once you're taking it, it takes you up and then down. Because once you get past that two-hour high period, it's only one, the only way is down. It's progressively down. It's taking you down all the time. It, you start to maybe lose your vision. You see double because your brain's damaged. You start to lose your speech. You start to slur your stutter because your brain's damaged. That part of the brain that, talk, that, that, that helps you speak. Um, you can't walk correctly. Your balance is gone. You're talking shit. You're talking loud. You're repeating yourself. You're losing control of your emotions. You start crying and things like that. So after that two-hour period, all these things can come into play. You can be aggressive. You can be a simpleton. Um, you're not getting high anymore, but you're still drinking it. You're still drinking over three or four hours. You're still drinking it, but you're progressively going down and down and down and down until eventually you may puke your guts up and then black out. Fuck me, give me some of that. That's good, isn't it? It's just crazy when you actually look at it as a, as a drug and to think that eventually, if you keep doing, if you keep drinking it, other drugs take you high. You keep drinking this drug, taking this drunk, you're going to be going low and you're going to. Pu- I, I was never a puter, um, but. Most weekends, I couldn't remember waking up. I couldn't, couldn't remember going to bed. It was I wake up in the morning, what the fuck happened last night? Um, I blacked out, you know, before bedtime. Never a puker. But to think that it's just taking you down to, to that level, it's just it's just unbelievable. Now, now, at a party, for example, if I if I see someone, it's normally maybe a woman, and they're sort of like, they're an emotional wreck, and they start crying or something. And I no longer think, oh, of course, she's pissed. Now I think, oh, she's damaged her brain. You know, because that, that's, right. that's, right. she's, she's got brain damage. You know, and when I see people now laughing at things that really, really are not funny, like stupid things, I mean, they don't laugh at anything. I think, oh, I don't think, oh, he's pissed. I think, oh, he's damaged his brain. You know, he's turned, he's, he's zombified, you know. So it's just, just a massive eye opener. It's a massive, massive eye opener, mate. Let's talk about one more thing, real quick, because you've been dealing with a lot of these situations because you have a big family get togethers and there's a lot of oh, events that you go to and everything else. So you've had to deal with a lot of people drinking you and dismiss you had done a podcast about, about your partners and drinking. You know, I've been watching you Shiki, but you've had to deal with a lot of other people while they're drinking in, in these events. And you, you did really good at first, but then it kind of got to be a burden. Is that right? Dealing with people when they get, to stage three and four, right? Third and fourth hour. Do you mean that time when the, when the guy approached me and said, you still drinking, Steve? And he started sort of, um, is that the one you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
well, I, I think that I think massively that, that drunk people they 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 do feel threatened to a certain extent by non-drinkers. Um, I think they can be. I mean, I know that when I was drinking, um, if I was at a party or somewhere and there was a non-drinker, I, I would avoid them squares like the plague. I mean, I wouldn't go nowhere near them. Fuck that shit. Um, but I think you can be a bit of a threat, especially if you're sort of someone like myself who's I'm not shy in in, in conversation, etc. And like, if people want to start a conversation with me and sort of bring it up then I'm going to talk back because I'm not going to shy away from it you know um I don't strike up any conversation with people about my drink I don't go up to and say hey guess what I'm 16 months sober nearly I've, I've been on this journey for 16 I don't strike any conversation with people I don't start any conversation but they'll always come up to me and oh Steve you still not drinking no mate, I'm done oh really why is this it and this this guy at the party he came over and uh, he said why aren't you drinking no more Steve and I said no mate I've just had enough then I've had a hangover I've just had enough it he's like you must have been drinking a lot mate to get some bad hangovers and I'm like, no, no, mate, it's, it's depressing. We know, we all know it's depressing. Is it, is it depressing? Is it really depressing? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's proven. And the conversation's going on like this. He's like, well, you must have been an alcoholic. So I can't see how you've gone 30 years of drinking and then all of a sudden you don't drink nothing at all. You must have had a serious problem. You must have been an alcoholic and he was really getting on my back, you know. It was, and he got my, got my goat right up. And I didn't, I wanted to finish the conversation. I wanted to put him sort of straight on a few things. We never had, really had a chance to finish it because somebody else came over and started talking about something else. Um, but Miss, this Mrs. Sarah, she gave me a, a great analogy, and she's it's great. She said, "Don't ever argue." I don't think I don't think it's anyway. But she said, "Don't ever argue with a drunk person because arguing with a drunk person is like wrestling with a pig." He said, you're only, <laughs> said, "You'll only end up getting covered in dirt, and the pig will have all the fun." And it's and it's true, you know. It's true. Oh you my don't... god, that is so good. I'm glad we brought that up because I know that a lot of people, Shiki, they're they're in these situations. How do they handle these situations? And that's the best advice right there. Don't wrestle. Never argue them. Never argue with a drunk. I knew that anyway, but on this particular occasion, I was ready for an argument. I was ready for, because you can now get your argument across in a, such a more clearer way. Well, you had um, prepared yourself for this day because you yeah. knew that these people drink a lot and they promote it. And it got pretty intense. And, you know, it's hard to be uh, uh, a lighthouse sometimes. You get battered and and beat with the waves, with the people that you love seeing them in these situations and, you know, family, friends, everybody, it gets tough to be a lighthouse out there sometimes, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been doing fine. Um, I mean, as the, the saying we all say is just keep our side of the path clean. Um, and that's all we can do is worry about ourselves. But when you go further on down the line, you do start to look at people drinking in a different way. I mean, when I first quit drinking, I mean, I was, I was looking at other drinkers and thinking, shit, I just want to join them. You know, I just want to join them drinkers. That's all I wanted to do. Yeah, that uh, was more FOMO right there. Very yeah, that. yeah, that, that was early on. That was the FOMO. I, just, I wasn't seeing them as being annoying people. I just wanted to join them. And then as it went further and further on, um, I didn't really mind. I'm not like being stupid, but I didn't really, bother, didn't really mind that much because all I was trying to do was just figure my own shit out. And let people do what they wanted to do, and you know, ignore the other drinkers. But now, now I'm at that level now, that stage where I, I can go out and enjoy myself without having any FOMO. I can enjoy parties, etc. Better now, sober because hey, I know my dopamine levels are naturally being produced. I don't need any alcohol to produce them. In fact, I'm probably having more fun than the, than the drinker. Well, check this out, <laughs> Shiki. You're able to go to some place now and know that you have two hours to make the best time. You have two hours to have the best time that you can have and enjoy where, what everybody else is doing, where they're at on their level before that clock hits midnight and shit goes bad, right? That is exactly right. 
And again, when I say I'm on their level, I say I'm on a better level than them because small things are exciting me. I'm still got that, as you mentioned earlier, small things excite you more. So I'm sort of enjoying myself with like just little things, talking to people I've not seen for a long time and I'm getting pleasure out of that. And the non-drinkers can't seem to see why, uh, they can't look, they look at it, I don't think they can understand how people like me and you are enjoying ourselves without a drink. But they can't see that I could ever see a non drink, but they can't view it. So you're right, you just got to keep being a lighthouse. And that's what I was going to say. Yeah, keep being a lighthouse, keep your side of the path clean. Now I'm at this stage now, I, I look at other drinkers, not so much as I'm trying to sort myself out. I now look at them, they are, they are now becoming more annoying, but I do study them more. I do study, as we said, said about looking out for the turning point, looking out for that, you know, looking out for these little signs of when they're turning, when they're changing, what, knowing what to say and what not to say in front of people. Also as well, what I've got to start doing, I've said this to you and to Sarah as well, you've got to bite your tongue a lot more because I'm getting to a level now where I could so easily just start talking about sobriety and, and non-drinking and, you know, all the rest of it. And people don't, don't want to hear that. It's like, it's like you're eating a hamburger and you have a look at vegan and come up and say, hey man, did you realise and did you know, you know, you don't want to hear it, you know. It's the same, it's the same, it's the same thing, isn't it? You know, so people drinking, they don't want to hear a non-drinker giving their a little, you know, chirping their little bits of advice and did you know this, did you know that, did you know you're your brain still? You just, drinkers don't want to hear that. It's like you're eating a burger, you don't hear a vegan talking to you about vegan shit. So you just want to, you know, you've got, I've got to learn to bite my tongue. I have been all this time, but I just, I've got to rein it and just, not talk about other people to a certain extent because you will start pissing people off you know end of and you're like you won't get invited out nowhere so you've got to be your lighthouse and not talk about sobriety unless people ask maybe but you can't start preaching to no one and it's hard sometimes not to do that when you see people that answer like a dick you think what are you laughing at mate but you can't you know you can't do things like that you know because <laughs> right right you know because they don't they've even lost capacity to sort out the process anyway which could end up in some kind of violent you know, altercation or just even a, a, an argument that isn't even worth it. Um, but at least, at least you give somebody a way to go into these situations, be prepared to have your best fun within two hours. Then you just may have to start disengaging a little bit over the next three or four, uh, four hours. And then, you know, a lot of times that's when we're in a really good position with someone that we love to where we, can get them home safe yeah 100 yeah 100 those those first two hours now like i say they are the um crucial two hours and i remember when i slipped i um like back last august the first two days on the holiday i couldn't handle those first two hours so i went for a run i got my running i went for a run just to avoid them two hours um but i was doing it all wrong because i was then coming back after my run and sitting down i was then entering the conversation in the third hour i was in the, i was now in the shit hour what i should have done was stayed with my friends and family enjoyed their company for two hours then gone for a run. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Then gone somewhere. <laughs> right, exactly. You should <laughs> have run I've had a blast here. And we're just going to have to do some more of these like little short podcasts. Yes, again. yes, yeah, perfect, perfect. We're in your shop. I get to see your shop. You're downtown London, right? Uh, Essex. Essex. Essex, downtown. Not Essex. far from London. We're, uh, you're not far. I'm about 30 miles from London. Yeah, it's a it's a really badass shop, and it's uh, a hardware shop, right? Hardware, DIY, motor, yeah, and that kind of thing. Yeah, so it's a man shop, Drifter. It's a man shop, right? <laughs> and really, really quick, because we were talking about this before about how your mind is healed. So, in your shop with your work, do you feel like you're 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 sharp and you're on top of your game at your work? 
mate, it's a, it's a no-brainer. It's a, yeah, of course. <laughs> hundred percent. Of course, it is. You're sharper. I mean, I I buy and sell for a living. I've done it all my life, and you make mistakes. The, the, the selling's the easy part. That's easy because you're selling behind the counter. You're selling. They don't have to do that. But it's the buying. You got to make decisions. You got to buy the right stuff. And when your brain's not switched on, like if you're hungover, you can make mistakes. And you think, oh, what have I bought that for? You might go and buy a pallet or something, or spend a couple of thousand pounds. You're like, oh, what have I done? But when now I'm so much sharper. I'm just I can make decisions quicker and and be the, the, the good thing as well is. I'm confident in my decision making as well. Whereas when I was a drinking, I made a decision. I would never really be that confident. I mean, I, 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 have I done the right thing here? I, I, I'll differ. I wouldn't be confident in my decisions. But now, when I make a decision, I'm confident in the decision that I made. It's just, just work things, you know. And yeah, of course, just speaking with people, dealing with people, of course, the brain is a lot sharper. And yeah, just, you know, you just get your, it's so much better, mate. Everything, so much better. Well, I'm glad you're seeing the difference. I'm glad you're seeing the science too. And I, and that's what I want to bring into Silvertown a lot more is people yeah, seeing the science. Because we're not really taught that. We're, we're taught other things that really don't have to do with the brain. We have so much technology right now, Shiki. They know, you know, when you go to move your, bit, your little toe on your foot, they know exactly where that, that pathway is going. And they know what, where your humor is. They know yeah. where all these different pathways and there is a pathway that's called the addict voice that we have to shut down to quit drinking. And then the rest comes after that. It's making a lot more sense now. It's making, as you look, the further you go and the more you learn about the brain and you see it, it just, it's making a lot more sense now. It's the, the, the way we used to act before and the way we act now. It's, it makes a lot of sense. It's frustrating that other people can't see that. That's why you got to sort of, Maybe get your mouth shut sometimes, not, not put it on other people. I, I get frustrated, especially my wife sometimes, that she can't. I want, I want, other, I want other people to see what I can see, um, but they can't see it, can they? And it's, that's the it's, annoying well, thing. that's the matrix, right? You can't yeah, see Yeah, he's the matrix, mate. He's the matrix. They can't see what we see. It's the matrix. No. I don't want to sound like a born again Christian and sort of put it on people either, you know? <laughs> oh, right. But at the same time, there's hope. We want to give people hope that they, they are going to recover things are going to get better. It doesn't mean your life is going to get like easier because life is difficult. This is a crazy world right now, but mm. it is better. Shiki, thank you so much. Have an amazing Cheers, day. Yeah. Let's do this more often and let's keep talking uh, like we do on the side. I love it. So cheers, mate. Cheers. And then remember everybody, silvertownpodcast.com and Silvertown Facebook page. Boom. <laughs>